Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. We're going to look together in the Word of God, and we're going to jump into the book of Matthew. And, uh, and today I'm going, to, I'm going to speak, I'm going to start with uh, this new series on what I'm going to call Climb the Mountain. And uh, it's here in the Gospels where, where Jesus has really ministered to a lot of different people. And he's seen so many people's lives change, and he's giving them some new hope again. And because people need hope. It doesn't matter if it was back then or now in the day that we live in. And sometimes people's vision for hope is just a little bit different than what God provides for us at times. Uh, and so... We don't always see things the same way. What we find is, is God's vision of hope is so transforming that it can change your world. And not only yours, but others around you. And I think sometimes when we focus about on our own self, we, we think about our own self, our own needs, but we know that God is able to even work past us and beyond us. I don't know if you've ever worked with somebody who had a different vision of what should happen on a project. Uh, you know, that probably happens with a little bit of everybody. And, and say you've got a family member and you decide you want to put uh, like a little shed in the back of behind your house and you want to you put some things in there, storage or whatever it is that you're wanting to do. And, and so one person of the two decides, I'm going to draw a plan. And, and so they draw a plan of what they think would be cool. And so they, they draw a gambrel roof, which is actually like what a barn looks like. And they put a cupola on top of it with fake vents and everything. And they think, hey, I'm going to put a lightning rod on it so it looks like authentic, you know, so they can draw the lightning. Yeah, that's good. Well, anyhow, they, they do that. And they, say, and they give that to the other person. They say, hey, this, this is what I'm thinking. And the other person's like, okay. And so they start drawing their picture, right? And they decide what they're going to do is they're going to draw like, a, like a, a Victorian house, you know, with all the lathe work on and the wraparound porch and all that stuff that comes with it with the multicolors to stand out. And, and so they have, a fig, they have a picture, right? They have a, a vision of what they're expecting. So you get these two visions together. What do you got? A half barn? I don't know. So you have to work some things out, right? And that's kind of the way it is in life, and we realize that it's kind of the way it is with Jesus and his disciples as well. Jesus knew what he was sent to do. He knew what he was sent to do as he climbed up the mountain, so to speak, of Jerusalem, and the disciples thought they knew what they wanted as they climbed the mountain towards Jerusalem. They all had some kind of vision, some kind of idea, but for Jesus... His was the cross because he knew what that was going to do for every man, woman, boy, and girl in the world. For those that would put their trust in him, whether they be Jew or non-Jew. For the, for the disciples, it was, it was a victory over the oppressors. It was a victory over uh, of those that harmed them and hindered them. In their point of view, which was the Romans for them at that time, and, and any Roman sympathizers that worked with them, and uh, anybody that was actually going to get in the way of the kingdom of God in their, in their perspective. And, and they even had it spiritualized, too, there at times. See, we, we aren't much different than what the disciples were. 
At times we're kind of happy to take our religion like tea, right, with two lumps of sugar and milk, if that's the way you like it. I don't know. You can pick or choose, right? And we like transformation when it's the kind of transformation that we want. And that can be the challenge for us at times, and that seems to be the problem with people. We don't always see what God sees. That can be the tough part of it. We, we see what we see, but we don't necessarily see what he sees. And Jesus, he's climbing the mountain of Jerusalem towards the cross long before his disciples even really understand what he has happened to do. He's climbing the mountain there, and, and the fact is they, they didn't fully understand until after he died and rose at the resurrection. They didn't get it. How much of the time are we like the disciples? You know, actually, we have, in some ways, uh, we have a better view than they did because we're looking back. We have the opportunity to read the things that took place uh, and uh, back in that time with them. But, and we get to read their experiences and what Jesus did and about the resurrection after the fact, although they personally knew the word of life himself. They were with him. We, didn't ha we don't have that same type of opportunity to be with him in that same way. And, and they were there with him in real time. And they heard and they saw him and they experienced. Let's look at this first thing. I got three things for you this morning. And the first thing is this. It's Peter's view from the valley. I'm going to call it that. Peter's view from the valley. So we tend to have a simple view as well, don't we? Just like Peter has a simple view there from the valley, so to speak, we have that simple view. And Jesus and his disciples, they came to a region in Caesarea Philippi. It's at northeast of the Sea of Galilee, and uh, which is on the kind of the eastern side of Israel. And so he was up there, and it was, it was where Jesus was talking to them to see if they understood who he really was, to see if they, they comprehended this. And so... They, they've all had this time to serve and to work with Jesus, and the disciples have ministered to the crowds of people with Jesus, and they watched him do the miracles that he did and engage the lives of people. And so they saw the great power that God wrought through him. So there seems to be no limit on what Jesus could do as a new king. You know, if they have this kind of mindset, and it was their kind of mindset to see him as the king. And so Peter has this view of who Jesus is. And it wasn't just Peter, and it wasn't just a disciple. It was really all of God's people who thought, hey, you know, when the Messiah comes, he's going to take care of business. He's going to knock everybody out that's in the way, and he's going to set up his kingdom right then and right there but we live in attention. We live in attention. And he doesn't always do it in the timing that we expect. Some things are quicker, some things are slower. And so it causes us to do something. It causes us to trust God. It causes us to put our faith in him. And so Jesus talks to the disciples about, about who the crowds say that he is. He talks about that and and uh, then by, by this point, he really asked them this. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 15, it says this. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? 
So Jesus was really placing his disciples in the hot seat. Okay, you guys say, you hear all what everybody else says, but, but what are you thinking? Who do you say that I am? And, and so it's like he was, he was telling them, really, I don't care what the crowds are saying. It really doesn't matter to me because I know they're going to think what they think, say what they want to say anyway. And so, but really, I need to see that you understand who I am as you follow me, as you walk with me. I need to make sure that you have some kind of a comprehension. Doesn't mean you understand it all. I don't know of anybody that understands it all, right? And even those disciples were with him. They spent three and a half years with him, day in, day out with him. They knew him. And so, let's move on here and look at verse 16. It says this. It says, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. That means the anointed one, right? The, the anointed one or, or Christ. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So this is what Peter's view was from the valley, or maybe we could say the foothills, which is just like below the, the peaks of the mountain down lower. Uh, but so, so here he is, and this is kind of his view. But see, we don't, we don't see as well until we actually climb up the mountain and we see things as they are. So even then, we, we don't always see perfectly. But before you know it, Jesus tells Peter in Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, these words. And he says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Peter, this revelation was given to you by Father God himself. And you know, Peter is flying high at this point. He's probably really excited. He's like, hey, I, I answered right. Uh, I, I thought this is who he was. I really believe this is who he was. And, and things are going well. But Jesus knew Peter only, uh, but Jesus knew Peter only saw from the valley because he didn't see from the heights of the mountains. He only saw from where he was in his perspective at that day and time. And that's kind of how we look at times. We see from our own perspective and we say, well, I don't know about this person. I don't know how they can see things this way or that person. But we have to recognize what God's word says to us so that we can see and understand well. And so Jesus, uh, here he is and he's with Peter. He's with the other disciples. And so he had to reveal some of the tough stuff as they were preparing to climb the mountain. So it's kind of like, again, like being in the refiner's fire, and he's, he's, Jesus has got to kind of burn away some of these things and take off some of the, the, the dross and stuff and just throw it off to the side. And so he's going to prepare to climb the mountain of Jerusalem. But I don't know if you've ever been excited about a new adventure or not. I think most of us have. We all have had adventures in our life to some level. doesn't matter how big it was, but... And then, you're, then you find out there's some very difficult things along the way. Just, uh, just maybe that's why God doesn't give you every detail about your life. And sometimes that can be a great blessing not to know uh, some later things, right? That's why we need to be able to trust him and leave those things in his hands. So, so you, you find out, you get to start a brand, well, say this, you get to start a brand new educational program at a well-known school. Maybe that's your dream. I don't know. And so you get to do that and you say, hey, this is cool. Get to do this opportunity or maybe you get to start a business. But then, but then all of a sudden, as, as you get everything set up, you're all lined up and then you go to the place and you, you get to talk to the people in the school and they say, yeah, you're all set up. Oh, yeah. Did we mention this other thing to you? 
Uh, and you say, what other thing? And you say, well, well, actually, you are required in this program to have this special side job. And you got to work with this organization over here that really you just can't stand. And they say, you got to do it. And it's just if, if you don't do it, you don't get to go into uh, uh, to this program. And so you're like, okay. It's like, okay, I can do this for a little while, right? And, and so you go in there, you, you kind of feel set up. Wouldn't you feel set up? I think most of us would, right? But that's part of living, right? That's, that's kind of the way it is at times. And you realize it will be more worth it in the end, though, because when you come out the other side, what you benefit out of it will be a lot better than the tough things that you walk through. We have to remember that as we walk down this road with Jesus. So it's like, like Jesus is saying here, you got it, I'm the, I'm the Messiah, you got it, you understand that, but there's something I haven't told you, and yet I don't think you even read your Bible well enough, disciples. He's telling his, his 12, right? He said, I don't think you guys read it well. Because he knows right away, he knows what Isaiah chapter 52 and 53 speak of. When it prophesies about the Messiah who was to come, he was going to be the suffering servant. Here he is. He's going to give his life. And Jesus is talking to his disciples. He talks to Peter and all those guys. And here they're thinking that this is going to be the, the easy way. But Jesus is saying there's, there's going to be a suffering servant. But you need to realize it will be worth it in the end. You may walk through some challenges in life because that's the way it happens at times. We have good patches and tough patches, right? And, but we have to look to him and trust him. Here's the second thing here. Now, we, we saw Peter's view from the valley, right? But the second thing is, is Jesus challenges Peter's view. And that's what happens to us, too, in our lives as we follow Jesus. Jesus challenges our view. He challenges what we think and what we understand and what we think and understand may even be right, right? But there may be some adjustments that have to be made to our understanding. And look at what Jesus said over there in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. Because uh, Jesus predicts for the first time that he's going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to die and be resurrected. And he does this several times for them. And, and verse 21 says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day must be raised to life. Now, I just imagine that Peter's emotions went in overdrive at this point. He's, he's probably thinking, what in the world are you talking about? You are the Messiah. You're the king that's supposed to be coming. And you're going to help us set us free from these crazy nuts that are leading us now. And so how in the world can you say those kind of things? Well, he knew what the scripture said. And you know what? What, what if Jesus had told you the same thing after he's saying, uh, he was going to change the world. Well, your, your emotions, your emotions would have went in overdrive too. I'm sure mine would have probably. Uh, and it's going to make us step back and think a little bit. Now look at what he says there in verse 22 and in Matthew 16. It says, Peter took, uh, took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. 
I, I can just picture Peter here uh, with his righteous indignation, you know, thinking, hey, well, Jesus, it can't be right. What are you talking about? Uh, 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 so here he is, and he is, Peter has been with him. John has been with him. All the other guys have been with him. They've seen the deaf healed. They've seen the blind that have never seen from birth see again. They've seen all these things. They've seen lame people walk that never had walked and that some had gotten that way and they, they were able to be healed and the Lord did it. They saw all these things and now Peter saw how Jesus could handle the people who ruled. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, uh, the other leaders, even uh, the, some of the Romans that he came in contact with, there was no issue. He can handle them, right? He can speak to them and deal with them and lead them. He's like, this dude is the king. If there is anybody that out there, it could be. And so Peter saw that, but the religious or people or whatnot, he, he can deal with them. So for Jesus to come back and test him like this, uh, really made Peter furious. We see it in that passage. He was pretty upset. Why are you saying those things, Lord? Why, why are you saying these kind of things? And he even rebukes the author of life. Have you thought about that? He rebukes the author of life. And I say it that way because we know in John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, speaking of Christ, and the Word was with God and Word was God. We know that he was there in the beginning with the Father. We understand that. So he rebukes the author of life. Maybe you've done that before. Because you thought, God, how in the world can you do things that way? There's no way that that's what you're going to do. Uh, and I'm sure the Lord just says, just, just pipe down, hold, hold on just a minute. And so we see this, uh, we see this and how he goes on here. And just like Peter, maybe your view and my view, they're not always from a high vantage point. They're, they're from our position, right? See, it's like down here for you guys, you, you see it from a different view than what I see. I'm sitting up, standing up here on this stage. I'm standing up and I can see a little bit different than you can. Uh, and, and, so, but, and so everybody has a different vantage point. But look at what Jesus does here in verse 23. In verse 23, it says this, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And, and it's this, this seems to be the, the, the way that it is for us as human beings uh, that the Lord has kind of come back to us and say, wait, wait a second, you don't get it. You're not, you're not catching on here. And our view of what God should be doing is simple, and we can't see the big picture completely. That's why we pray. That's why we say we depend on you, God. That's why we have to recognize that, yeah, we can, we can ask God for something. He may give it that way, and he may choose to do it another way because he sees the big picture, and we need to be willing to allow him to work in our lives and in our situations because he does have a plan for us, and he does care for us. So we, we know that what we want, and sometimes what we think we want is, uh, is what God wants. We, we think that a lot of times, right? We think, well, this is what I see, and God's like, well, yeah, you see that, but you don't see the whole thing. And so it's, it's kind of interesting how Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, you're a stumbling block to me. Now, Satan, 
Uh, that, the word there is Satan is not uh, a proper name, but rather it's a common Hebrew noun meaning adversary. So he's ad, it's adversary, but when it occurs with a definite article, the, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it, would be, it would be the adversary. So Satan had tried to tempt Jesus away from carrying out the Father's will at, at the start of his earthly ministry, and now he used a different strategy to accomplish the same goal through Peter. So the enemy of our soul is using Peter in such a simple way, and Peter doesn't even get it. How many times can that happen to us as individuals, and we don't get it? And if you think about it, Peter here, he's one of the top three of the 12, right? Jesus' right-hand man, right? And there he is right there in the presence of Jesus, helping him all the time, and he messed up, and Jesus says, man, get, the behind, get thee behind me, Satan. And it's kind of like, man, if that can happen to him, can it happen to us? Absolutely. Absolutely. So now he uses this different strategy. Sometimes we get so focused on what we want that we miss out on what God wants. That's why we pray. That's why we pray. Because we have to talk to the Lord to be able to get the mind of God. Allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives so that we can see things from a different perspective. Sometimes he will give us a glimpse of what he's doing, and he does that, and we thank God for that, and sometimes he will not because he knows that he doesn't need to give that to us. That's his choice, but that is why we pray. and We seek his face and ask him to help us to live out our life in the way he wants us to. So that Because remember, as hard as it may sound, it's not about me and it's not about you. As hard as that is to accept, it's, yeah, he does, but that doesn't mean it doesn't include us, right? There, there's a lot more than just me and just you. It's us, right? And, and so he has a plan, and he wants to work that out in our lives. I wonder how many times you and I thought we knew the best. Maybe that hasn't happened to you. Maybe that's just me. But you think, you, you think I know the best. I know the best in this situation. And, but the reality is, is most of us would never say that because we want to stay spiritually balanced. So we wouldn't say it, but it may, we may think it at times. And, but, but I'm sure that many times we see the things from the valley and we believe we can see so well. That's when the Lord challenges us in what we see. He challenges us. We, we've all seen the old optical illusion. You know, there's those different pictures out there. There, I, the one picture, I, I should have brought it and put it up on the, on the, uh, uh, on the projector screen for you, but I, but I didn't, and you'll probably know it when I say it. So, you, you know, you got this one picture, and if you look at it in a certain way with a certain mindset, you see an older lady with a real long nose and all of that, and, and then if you look at it kind of with a different mindset, uh, uh, then you see, then you see a, a younger, like a beautiful lady uh, uh, looking a different way. So it's just kind of weird. It's an optical illusion, right? But that's, that's kind of the way it is for us at times in our lives is we look a certain way and we see one thing. If we look a different way, we see another thing. And, and Jesus saw death and resurrection and the salvation and forgiveness of people from all over the world. That's what he saw in that. He saw hope. He saw hope for us as individuals. He saw hope for us as families, as people. 
Jesus had to help Peter open his eyes up. And Jesus even extends his revelation to just a few of his disciples at this point. Because we see something else happen. And, and this is the third point. And you should like this when it says, be quiet and listen. Be quiet and listen. We need to be able to do the same, don't we? We need to be able to do the same and allow God to speak it in the way that he wants to into our lives. Because sometimes it's so easy to just allow ourselves to continue making noise. Matthew chapter 17, verse 1, and it says this. It says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a mountain by themselves. Here, he didn't bring, he didn't bring Judas up. He didn't bring some of the other guys who were still important players. But it says in verse 2, there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And look, we see what happens with Peter. It says in the next verse, it says, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from, from the cloud said, This is my son, uh, whom I love, with him I am well pleased, listen to him. But then the next verse goes on, it says, When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. When they, when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Now sometimes we're so used to doing stuff that we just won't stop and listen. Stop and listen. We have to be able to stop and listen in our, in our lives. We need to be able to do that. We live in a world that pr produces a lot of noise, right? It produces a lot of noise, a lot, just a lot of, of, uh, of junk in the air. You know, you hear all kinds of things. But here Jesus brings Peter, James, and John up this first mountain after, uh, after they understood and even verified that, he yes, he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And at least we know that Peter did. And, and Jesus had challenged Peter's view by this point. But now he brings him up higher. Another stage he's working in their life. And that's what God does with us at times. He gets us to a place and then he helps us. He turns the heat up a little bit more on us. And he helps us. And he's not there to harm us. He's not there to injure us. He's trying to help us to get to a, that next place in him. And, and if Jesus was going to accomplish something, what God the Father had planned, then he needed disciples beside him would back him up or at least understand some of the important things about who he was so they could continue on in the ministry that the Lord had called them to. We need to understand who he is in our day and age. I believe in many ways the times are short. We don't know the day nor the hour, and Scripture says that. We don't know that, but what we do is we have to be ready and be alert. So after Peter, you know, after Peter's overwhelmed by this transfiguration and sees Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus, I don't know how he understood that. I don't know how he knew it. You know, they don't have pictures back then from what we know, but I just knew he knew by the Spirit somehow. 
And so he's just freaked out. This guy, he's just wondering what in the world. He doesn't even seem to know what to say, and he doesn't seem to know what to do at this point. So I would compare Peter here with Lazarus' sister, Martha. I think they're kind of similar. Martha, was a, she was a doer, and when she was stressed or she saw a need, she filled it. That's what she did. She went and she took care of it, and she got it done and kept moving. And Jesus had to tell Martha at one point, Mary is sitting at my feet, and that's better than all your hurry up and do. It kind of put her in her place in that, and, uh, and, and I know there's a time for both, but, but Peter was a talker, and when he was stressed or realized that somebody needed to say something, he spoke up, didn't he? We, we see that. Sometimes he spoke up when he didn't need to speak up, right? But, but he did that. We see that in Peter's life. And did you notice who told Peter to be quiet and listen? Verse 5 says, while he was still speaking... A bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With, uh, with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. He didn't tell him to be quiet, but he's basically saying that. He's inferring that to him. He, he said, This is my son. So it looked like God the Father is speaking to him and trying to help Peter stop in his tracks and pay attention. And I think at the time, the Lord, uh, at times the Lord says in our lives, we need to stop, we need to refocus, we need to listen to what he's saying so that we can follow his plan in our lives because we need his plan more than our own plan. Because his plan is better. We know it. We don't always know exactly what it is, but we know his plan is better. And remember this, God didn't tell him to be quiet forever something we have to remember he he didn't because uh, uh but he wanted him to be quiet for now and he uh, uh we see that he needed to be able to learn in fact it was peter who preached the first sermon after the outpouring of the holy spirit in acts and we saw about five thousand people come to faith that day when he preached so it doesn't mean he was not supposed to speak again it was just time for him to set back and listen we have to be able to be people who are willing to speak at the right time and listen at the right time and allow God to work through our lives. See, there, there's a time to speak and a time to listen. Say you were a medical doctor and you went to a seminar and you, you're learning from another doctor and this other doctor is a specialist in knee replacements. And so he knows all about it. He's done 3,000 of them. And so, so you, you see this medical doctor and you get in there. You're a doctor yourself, but, and you're learning from him. And so, but, but uh, it's not time for you when you get into that class or that seminar where he's going to teach you something. It's not time for you to start saying, well, this is, a, a, let's talk about the anatomy. And you start talking and explaining things. And you're not the pro in this situation. The other guy's the pro, right? He's the one that has all that experience. And so it's time for that, that uh, doctor that's learning to be quiet and to listen to him so he can gain some better understanding. There's times that we have to be able to do that in our lives. We have to be quiet and allow the Lord to work in us and listen and to sit at the feet of Jesus. We need to be able to sit there in his presence. It's one of the reasons why we come here. So we can allow the Lord to speak into our lives and to transform us. Also, it's to worship him because he is good. And we want to thank him for the good things he's done for us in our life. We want to trust him and give our faith to him 
So we need to be able to learn from him. We need to be willing to let him guide our lives because he is the great physician. And we are simply his disciples to follow through with his will. Now look at what he says in verse 6 here. He says, when, when the disciples heard this, they fell fa face down to the ground terrified. And, and then, but Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. So what happened? They fell down at, at the feet of Jesus. Now remember, it wasn't just one guy saying this, right? Are you catching me here? This was three different people that were saying, and they all three experienced this situation. So it's just not one guy saying this, but what happened? They fell at the feet of Jesus. It was like they realized who he actually was in an even a more powerful way because they already had talked with Jesus about it, said, we, hey, we understand you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. But now it's like he was hammering the, he was hammering the nail in further and helping them to understand and, and comprehend who he was. But it wasn't just him. It was the Father involved in that too. They actually saw a glimpse into, into eternity. But because it was there, they even saw Moses and Elijah with Jesus, who's the I Am. So those, those prophets of old had passed on, but Jesus, Moses, and Elijah were somehow in the same time zone. Kind of interesting. There's no limits to the Lord. Absolutely no limits. So Peter even, even, though, even thought of saying to Jesus, uh, he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. It was a big deal. But now he is experiencing the glory of God in a different way. And God said, hey, this is really what's happening here. So in a short time, we find Peter, James, and John would be challenged again and again. And the other disciples as well. They would be challenged again and again. Before you know it, they are still on the climb to the mountain of Jerusalem. Now, they're at this mountain, Mount of Transfiguration, but they're going to come back down, and then they're going to be back onto the climb for Jerusalem. They come down from that place, and they're getting ready to move on because Jesus predicted his death and resurrection for a second time after this in Matthew 17, verse 22 to 23. And then he does it again later. But couldn't Jesus just leave this well enough alone? Jesus, why do we have to talk about that stuff? Can't you just set that aside and let's talk about, hey, the kingdom and everything. And, and well, you're going to set it all up. And can, and can I sit by your hand, you know, and all the questions that came about, you know. As we wrap this up this morning, we have to remember that we tend to have our own simple view of what God's going to do. But just remember that Jesus will challenge your view at every point. He's going to challenge your view. There's, there comes a time when you just need to be able to stop and be quiet for a little while and listen to him. Why? Why do we need to do such a thing like that? Because your, your simple view and my simple view doesn't always match up with God's view. And he sees the clear picture. He sees it all, and we must listen, and we must follow by faith, by trust. We have to listen, and we have to trust Him by faith, because He has a plan for our lives. 
We don't always understand it. And he will give us a glimpse and he will give us some understanding and he will challenge that, right? I remember the, uh, the times after I came to faith. I was 17 years old and I remember the times that I was challenged after I come to faith. And you probably heard the story many times. I was 17, I just turned 18 and I get into a classroom setting when I was going to college and, and so and I'm with a whole bunch of people that did not follow nor believe in Jesus. And so it was in there that a, a somebody said, okay, what is something that you would never, uh, never give up for anything in your life? And so, you know, they're just telling us to write this down. So I wrote that down, I'd never give up my faith in Christ. And so and I write some other things. But the, the lady that was actually teaching, she didn't tell us she was going to make us tell, stand up, all of us in that class, tell everybody else what we wouldn't give up. <laughs> and so it helped me. The Lord had grace on me. And I said, Lord, help me. Because <laughs> these guys are going to mark me. And they did mark me for the rest of that year. And she, she said, I would never give up my faith in God. I thought, oh, that's cool. You're helping me, Lord. So when I, I was in the back of the classroom, and uh, I was probably the last of uh, probably six, eight people out of 30-some, and I'm back there, and I, I stood up my term, and I said I wouldn't give my faith, give up my faith in the Lord. And they're like, oh, man, here he is, one of those, one of those uh, crazy Christian people. And, so, and they gave me a hard time, some of them, but you know what? Some of the others came to me and asked me to help them. And you know, you never know what God's going to do in your life. Yeah, you may have some challenges that come in your life, and you may be tested because that's part of what it is to live and to follow Jesus. But he will also bless you beyond measure and beyond understanding as you continue to serve and to follow him and to walk with him. God has a plan for your life. Don't worry about how it comes about. Just trust him. Even as you walk through your life every day, trust him and say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to walk with you. Allow him to work in your life. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we're in need of you. Jesus, you gave your life on the cross so that we might have life ourselves, so that we may have hope again. And we ask you to help us, Lord, as we look to you in faith. Father, we offer ourselves to you. And maybe that's for you today. You have to, have to say in your heart to the Lord, Jesus, I give you my life. Be the Lord of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Say that prayer and then, then tell somebody you, you said that prayer. Father, I ask you, Lord God, that you would work in us and work through us and continue to transform us into the people you want us to be. Father God, may we not be the type of people that say, oh yeah, that's cool, I think that's neat, yeah, we believe that, and then walk on and do whatever. Father God, may our faith be transforming as we put our trust and our faith in you, the author of life himself. Jesus, you gave your life on the cross so that we might be forgiven and we might be brought into the family of God. We've, we accept what you've done for us today. And we ask you to help us to be able to see by faith. Help us to see better than what we have seen in the past. And help us to recognize that we need to be quiet at times and listen and see what you have to say. We offer ourselves to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.